Shalom, and I hope all is well. My name is Yitzchak Schiffman. Thanks for tuning into this podcast, and I hope you enjoy the Torah classes in it. Now, on to the episode. Shavuot Tov, everyone. Bezat Hashem, tonight we're going to review the last two dafim that we learned. and We're going to have six sections in today's review. And it goes as follows. The first section we'll deal with is the different scenarios or different cases that are judged by each level of the courts. The second part that we'll deal with today is the sources for these numbers of 71 and 23. Third section we'll deal with is the explanation of the first line in the Mishnah, how is meant to be understood with a few different explanations. Fourth section we'll deal with is the next line in the Mishnah, which is Nezek and Chatzin Nezek. Fifth section we'll deal with today is the sources that three is the number for monetary court cases, number of people. And the sixth and final section of the day in our review will be a machloket if it's actually three or five, which will be Rebbe and the Tanakhama, and we'll get to a understanding of that at the end of the day, Be'ezrat Hashem. So let's start at the beginning of the Masechta, Daf Bet Amur Aleph, and we're going to cover today Daf Bet and Daf Gimel, Be'ezrat Hashem, let's get started. With the first section at the Mishnah, which deals with three levels of courts and their different cases that they judge. Says the Mishnah, The cases of monetary cases are judged with three judges. Theft and bodily damage are judged with three. When it comes to full payment and half payment, Double payment or four or five times, is paid, is, is adjudicated by a group of three. Ha'ones, someone who rapes a woman, or he seduces a woman. There's a certain penalty associated with those. Or someone that casts allegations against his wife, saying she's not a betula, a virgin. Rebmeir says you need three people to adjudicate these cases. You need 23. Because if she is guilty, she'd be chayav mita, and that's a capital case. Thus, you need a 23-person court. Continues the Mishnah, Makot Bishlosha, to administer, to adjudicate a case that may administer Makot, lashes in court, requires the court of three. Mishnah Rabbi Yishmael Amr, in the name of Rabbi Yishmael, it was said, Be'asrim Bishlosha, you need a court of 23. Ibor HaChodesh Bishlosha, Ibor HaShana Bishlosha, to decide if a month is 30 or 29 days, or to intercalate the year by adding an extra Adar, you need a, 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 court, a court of three. Divra Meir, these words are Meir, Rishim Megam Elo Meir, Bishlosha Matchilin, that you start the court case with a court of three, then they would discuss it with a group of five, and they would finish it off with a group of seven. We'll see exactly what this is saying in the Gemara. Nonetheless, if you finished off with three, it is considered intercalated, it's effective. Continues the Mishnah. Now when it came to these two things, you needed members of the Sanhedrin Agadol, or Gdola, which is leaning on the animal called Parhel and Davar Shel Tzibor, which was necessary if the Sanhedrin paskin something wrong. Most of the Tzibor were involved in it. So they needed to do smicha leaning on the animal that was bought, brought as a korban before it was brought. As well as Arifata Egla, which was decapitating the, the calf that would be brought to atone for a body that was found between three cities. So the people would measure it between two cities. The people who would measure it would be members of the Sanhedrin. Rabbi Shimon says it needed to be three members of the Sanhedrin. Rabbi Yudah Omer, you needed five, not three. 
continues the Mishnah, Chalitza, the process known as Chalitza, which is when a man decides not to do Yibo marrying his deceased brother's wife, sends her away, Vahamiyunim, as well as a Mi'un, which is the process of a girl deciding she doesn't want to be married to the man that her mother or brother married her off. Bishlosha, again, you need a court of three. If you have netaravai, which is the fourth year of fruits, as well as maaser sheni, which are to be put onto money and then the money is to be brought to Yerushalayim, but if they're somewhat uh, rotting, meaning they're somewhat diminished in their value and it's not clear what their value is, bishloshas, you need a court of three to determine its value. Hakteshot bishlosha, the redemption of hektish, meaning to deconsecrate. Something that has been sanctified requires a court of three. Ha'erachina mitaltalim bishlosha. Movable erachin, we'll see in the Gemara what that is, requires a court of three to determine its deconsecration value. One of them has to be a Kohen, says Rabbi Yudah. Now when it comes to redeeming holy land, land that was dedicated to Hektish, you need nine people, as well as a Kohen as a tenth man. And similarly, when it comes to deconsecrating a person, we'll have to figure out exactly how he was holy, it needs to be similar, nine people plus a Kohen to determine its value, to assess its value. Moving on now in the Mishnah to the next part of this section, which is the capital cases. Capital cases are judged with a court of 23. If an animal was rovea, meaning it had relations with a woman or a man had relations with an animal, so you need a court of 23 to adjudicate that case to determine not only the person, if he's chayav mita, but also the animal. It says, says, We compare the two, the Isha and the, and the animal, both need a 23 person court. And also it says, By a man having relations with an animal, the animal shall be killed, also compared to the man, it needs to be a court of 23. Continues the Mishnah. If sure, if an ox killed a person, it's liable to be stoned, and it needs a court of 23 to adjudicate that case. The Pasuk says, It says the ox is stoned and the owners are killed. So it writes this comparison so as to say, Just as the death of the owners would only be if there's a court of 23, so too the ox needs a court of 23 to adjudicate. The Mishnah continues, says, not only with an ox, but whether it's a wolf, a lion, or a bear, v'hanomer, v'hanomer is a, a leopard, v'habardalus, now bardalus is a polecat or a skunk, other Mephoshim say different animals, but they're wild animals of some sort, v'hanachash, or a snake, v'hitatan be'asrim v'shloshah, their death would be administered and adjudicated by a court of 23. Anyone that uh, initiates the killing these wild animals is zachai, is merited. See what he's saying in the Gemara. Rabbi Akiva Omer mitatan Their death is with a court of twenty-three, and we'll see how he's arguing in the first shita as well in the Gemara. Moving on now to the highest level of courts. We cannot adjudicate. We cannot judge a shevet. Rashi learns it means if most of the majority of the shevet worshipped avodaza rabbe meizid, we can't adjudicate that case. Or naviyah sheker, somebody that espouses prophecies in the name of Hashem, but he's false. Or if a Kohen Gadol did something that's liable to capital punishment. You can't judge any of these. Unless you have the Sanhedrin of 71. You can't go out to a voluntary war, which Rashi learns means anything besides for the wars of Yeshua conquering the land of Israel, unless if you're instructed by the court of 71. You cannot add on to the city of Yerushalayim. Or out to the courtyards of the Beit HaMikdash, unless the 71-person court decided this is the right thing. 
courts, lower courts of 23 cannot be appointed for the Shvatim, for the other tribes, unless it was commanded by the word of the 71 person Sanhedrin. They cannot decide that something is an Irani Dachat, which is a city that the majority of the inhabitants worshipped of Odazara, needs to be destroyed, unless it is on the word, the, 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 the word of the 71 person Sanhedrin. Now once we introduce the Irani Dachat, the, the Mishnah introduces other halachot relating to it. We cannot make an irani dachat on a border of Eretz Yisrael. Nor can we have three cities that are to be destroyed because they're irani dachat. But we could make one or two into irani dachat and destroy them. Okay. Now, the Mishnah continues and tells us the sources now, in the second section, that you have a court of 23 and a court of 71. Says the Mishnah. Sanhedrin Dola, the great Sanhedrin of in Yerushalayim, it was 20, 71 people. And the smaller one, but still capital punishment courts, was of 23 people. Asks the Gemara, how do we know that the big court was 71? The Pasuk says, HaKadosh Baruch commands Moshe Abenu to gather 70 elders and assist him in adjudicating the people. Gather me 70 people from the elders of Israel. Moshe was together on top of them, so that's a total of 71. Rabbi Yudah, Mer Shivim, Rabbi Yudah said it was 70, you don't include Moshe, and therefore the large Sanhedrin was actually a total of 70, not 71. How do we know that the smaller capital courts were 23 people? Shanemar, the Pasuk tells us regarding these appointments of these courts, it says that the court, the Aida, the congregation, shall incriminate, shall convict, and it also says the Aida, the, the Kahal, the group, the uh, community, shall make innocent, shall acquit. So there has to be 10 people who can incriminate and 10 people who could uh, acquit. Eida, as we're about to show, is 10. So therefore, Arekan Esrim, you have a total of 20 already. How do we know that Eida is a language of 10? As we find by the Meraglim, it says, It says, It says, tells Moshe uh, that uh, after the sin of the Meraglim, until when will these people act wrongly? As opposed to excluding Yoshua Kalev because they were two Meraglim that were righteous. So therefore, you see, 12 minus 2 is 10. Therefore, the word Eida is used by the Meraglim also connotes 10 people. In the context here, that means there's at least 20. To add another 3. Because the Gemara says the fact that the Pasuk tells us that one should not follow the majority to do wrong, to convict. That when it comes to acquitting, making innocent, you could follow majority. If so, why does the Pasuk have to say you follow the majority for good? It's already implied by the first verse we just quoted. So the Gemara says, So what the Pasuk is telling you is that the capacity to balance in one direction for good is not like that of bad. Which means, When it comes to tilting the side of favor, of acquitting, so there you only need a majority of one. But when it comes to convicting, incriminating, you'll need two. So therefore, the Gemara is saying is, on top of the ten, the ten convictors and the ten making innocent, you need another two so that there could be a majority of two on one side plus the ten that are acquitting and the ten that are making guilty and that would tilt you in the side of negativity. Turn to Bet and Mudbet. We know you can't have an even court, which we'll see the sources later, 
uh, sorry, which is this source, because if it would be equal, then you wouldn't have the capacity by making innocent to have one person majority. So it has to be that you have an odd number in the Beit Din. So we add one more. So now you have a total of 23. Finishes the Mishnah. How many people have to be in a city that it qualifies to have a 23-person court appointed? May of stream 120. Rabbi Nechemia Omer, Rabbi argues and says, Matayim Ushloshah, you need 230. Keneged Sarot, corresponding to officers or the judges appointed over 10 people. In order to have each judge responsible for at least 10 people, it would have to be 230 people, thus you can have a Sanhedrin of 23. Moving on to the third section, let's start the Gemara now. The Gemara starts off with the first section of our Mishnah. Etu gzeilot v'chavalot lavdinei mamonot, ninu argzeilot and chavalot, theft and bodily injury, not included in the introduction of dinei mamonot. Why does it say it as a separate category, as a separate clause? So the Gemara is going to give three answers. The first is Rabbi Avo. Am Rabbi Avo. Mahen katani, the Mishnah is to be interpreted as mahen, meaning the second clause is illustrating the first clause. Mahen, dinei momonot, what are the examples of dinei momonot that are included in our Mishnah? Gizelot v'chavelot, it refers to cases of theft and bodily injury. But the exclusion that the Mishnah is teaching us, when it comes to admitting or loans, it wouldn't have the same as Gzelot and Chavalot. So Rashi explains these are both cases of being Chayev uh, payment because of a loan. That is excluded from our Mishnah, it's not included. Says the Gemara, but we need both parts of these, this introductory of the introduction to our Mishnah. Because it have only taught the rules, the cases of monetary hava. I mean, I would have said So maybe it also includes cases of loans. So therefore it teaches the second clause so as to imply that it's excluding loans are different. It only taught the cases, the, the second clause of theft and bodily injury. And it didn't teach hava. I mean, I would have said I'd say really included in our Mishnah is also loans. The only reason it uses this language of because the idea, as we'll learn later tonight, of three judges in monetary cases is actually derived from theft and bodily injury. How do we know that? Like we find by thievery, which is actually in the parasha of Shomrim, when a person who had deposited an item to be watched claims that the Shomer stole it. The Pasuk says, and we're going to see later it says Elohim three times. That teaches us that the judges have to be three when it comes to monetary cases. And and also the same thing with bodily injury. It's the same as monetary damage. So therefore, both of these is where the source appears that you need three people. So you may have thought then if it only taught the second clause, that really it includes also cases of loans in the Mishnah. They're the same as Gzelot and Chavalot. Why does it only write Gzelot and Chavalot? Because that's the source for three in the Torah. Therefore, the Mishnah says, what is the case of Dinei Momonot that are being included, the first clause? The second clause, only includes theft and bodily injury, but not when it comes to admitting about loans. Beautiful. Now, the Gemara wonders, what practical difference is there indeed, according to Rabbi Yavau, between theft and bodily injury versus loans? What's the distinction? If it means you don't need three when it comes to loans, we know Rabbi Avo says clearly himself. If two people adjudicate a case of mamonot, a monetary case, everybody would agree, this is not going to be an effective uh, outcome. It's not a real, it's not a clear, real psak. So you see clearly, in all monetary cases, including loans, two is not sufficient. 
You need three. Ella, the Gemara says, The distinction Rabbi Yavo says between loans and bodily and monetary damage is you don't need mumchin, which Rashi learns is people that have smicha back to Moshe Rabbeinu, appointed by the Nasi. You could have hediotot, ordinary judges, not these prof- the professional judges with smicha. Asks the Gemara, if that's true, my kasavar, what does Rabbi Yavo hold, the Tanavar Mishnah holds? If he holds that the parasha of Shomrim and the parasha of Halva'av, loans, are actually combined, so you should need mumchin, because just as you need mumchin when it comes to Shomrim, because Elohim means mumchin, professional judges, so the same thing should be true when it comes to loans. And if he holds that they're not mixed together, so so then you don't have the source for Elohim, Elohim, Elohim three times when it comes to loans, and you shouldn't need three for loans. So the Olam Kasavar, the Gemara answers, really, Rabbi Yavo would hold the Tan of our Mishnah holds, Eru Parshiot Katuv Khan, that the Parshiot are, are meant to be mixed together, and therefore you should need three, and you also should need Mumchin when it comes to loans. You should really need Mumchin. The reason you don't, Mishum to Rabbi Chanina, as we're going to see, is a Takana based on a principle of Rabbi Chanina. Adam Rabbi Chanina, Dvar Torah, Midoraita, Chadine, Mamunot, Bechadine, Nefashot, Bedrisha, Bechakira. That when it comes to capital or, or monetary cases, there should be cross-analysis with the witnesses, asking questions in order to determine if they're accurate or not. Turning to Gimel Amodal, as the Pasuk says, One ruling should be for them, for both monetary and capital cases. So really you should need the same drishav chakira, the same level of severity by monetary, just like by capital cases. So why did the Chachamim relax that? You were using the principle of Hefker Beitin Hefker, where they're allowed to relax things in monetary scenarios. Why did they say that? You don't need the cross analysis and the witnesses for monetary cases. Let's say for loans. In order not to lock the door in front of borrowers. Because if they would require these um, uh, cross analysis, people would be uncomfortable to loan money. Because if they would loan money, they'd think maybe the witnesses who are witnessing the loan will make a mistake and they'll slip up, they'll contradict each other, and I won't be able to recoup my money. So therefore, they said, we're going to relax it. We're not going to require Drishav. When it comes to monetary loans, we're going to relax it. So similarly, says Rashi, it's the same thing here. Regarding loans in our scenario, if you really needed mumchin, so then you wouldn't, people wouldn't be comfortable lending money. Maybe we won't find mumchin that are around when I want to recoup my loan. He'll deny it, and then I'll be stuck. Up a paddle without a creek. Up the creek without a paddle, sorry. So therefore, the Gemara says that Rabbi Hanina, based on this, Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Avo says that even though Iruv Parshio Katufkan, nonetheless, we're not going to require Mumchin, even though they do require three. Elamayata says the Gemara, if that's true, what you're saying now is that when it comes to three person courts, the Hediotot, the ordinary judges, are actually empowered by the Chachamim to adjudicate them. So Ta'olo Yishalmu, as we're going to learn later, if the ordinary people make a mistake in adjudicating a court case, they have to pay back. But based on what we're saying now, they should be empowered like Mumchin, they shouldn't have to pay back. The Gemara answers, no. Kol shekin, if they didn't have to pay back, certainly at the Noel Lovin, you'd lock the door in front of borrowers because people would be nervous. I'm going to get a non-professional court. I'm going to get a hediotot type court, not a mumchin court. They're going to make a mistake. I'm not going to get my money back. So this was just necessary in order to keep things uh, real that people would continue to lend money. Yachi, now the Gemara moves on now to the next section. Based on this shita of Rabbi Avahu, so then, why didn't the Mishnah read the way you're understanding it as two different clauses? Not as the second clause explaining the first, 
but as two different points, like this. When it comes to monetary laws, parentheses, loans, you, you need three hedyotot. That's clause number one. And when it comes to the next category, you should have three professionals. So now this way, it's the same halacha ultimately, it just fits better in the language of the Mishnah. And furthermore, it breaks it up by saying three, two times. Why does it say that? It really sounds clear. There's two different clauses, not that the second explains the first. Elam Arava, rather Rava says a second shot, which is exactly that. Tarti Katani Mishum Rabbi Hanina. Using this leniency that Rabbi Hanina applied to loans in monetary cases, you could interpret the Mishnah as two separate clauses. First, the Mishnah says when it comes to loans, you need three people, but they don't have to be mumchin. Again, because we're using this leniency, so people will continue to lend money. And the second clause is saying that in Gizelot and Chavala, we don't apply that leniency. Erev Khan. What's going to happen is you need three professional judges. And uh, therefore, it's two separate clauses. And that's the second explanation that is accepted in the Gemara. Now, Rav Achabrader of Ika says an, a third shot in the Mishnah. Rav Achabrader of Ika says, I agree with you, Rava, that there's two separate clauses. But he says as follows. Really, we say, we don't say Erev Parshir Katufkan, which means that when it comes to loans, really, you could be, you could, you, it would be sufficient to have one judge and he would not have to be professional because we don't apply Elohim to loans. You need one for loans. Like the Pasuk says, With righteousness you shall judge. Tishbot is singular. Judge your nation. When it comes to loans, really, and monetary cases, you should only need one. But because of Yoshvei Kranot, which is business people that are not proficient in the laws of loans, for example. So the problem is, if you would only need one, so then maybe somebody that would not be qualified to adjudicate would. So therefore the rabbi said, put three and you'll be covered. Asks the Gemara, but you, if, even if you need three, like you're saying now, it's still going to be a problem because they could all be these un unqualified business people. So the Gemara answers, Logically, you'll have one person amongst those three who had learned the halachot from his Rebbe and he'll know how to adjudicate properly. Elameat asks the Gemara similar to above, based on this Taolo Yeshalmu, what you're saying now is on a Torah level, you only need one. So certainly then, it's, and you don't need professional judges either. So why should they have to pay back? They should be covered. The Torah backs them up. Why should these judges who are not professional have to pay if they make a mistake? So the Gemara answers, Kol Kranot. If they weren't nervous that if they make a mistake, they won't have to pay back, so then they'll all be willing to adjudicate. So it's a way of preventing unqualified judges from getting involved in, it, in judging, and that would solve this issue. So ultimately, Rabbi Achabri Dervik is saying, it breaks it up into two categories, because the first category altogether rabbinically only requires three judges of loans, and the second category, meaning the case of Gzelot and Chavalot, Midorite actually requires um, three, and, and Elohim, it also requires professional judges. Ask the Gemara, what is the distinction between Rava and Rav Rav Ika? What's the practical halachic difference? The difference is the Amar Shmuel, the principle of Shmuel. When it comes to loans, if two people adjudicate a scenario of loans, it is considered effective. But it's considered a uh, disrespectful, a chatsuf, a chutzpah type of beitin. So the Rava let lady Shmuel. Rava can't agree with Shmuel because Rava says, right, you need three. So two certainly would not be effective. Rav Achabed Ravika does hold of Shmuel because he holds one midah right to be sufficient. Three is only midah banan, and therefore two would be Yotzeh B'diavad if they adjudicated a case of loans. Now, moving on now to the fourth section of the day. The fifth section of the day, excuse me.
the Mishnah had told us, Nezek v'chatzin Nezek v'chulei. Mishnah had said that Nezek and Chatzin Nezek um, So we said the second part of the Mishnah was that when it comes to full payments or half payments, again, you need a court of three. The Gemara asks, in this fifth section, is that it would appear that this is unnecessary information because we already said gzelot and chavalot, which is theft and bodily damages, requires a court of three. So nezek and chatzin nezek, which l'chaurah has to do with bodily damage in this case, so why is that necessary to repeat? Asks the Gemara Nezek, Anu Chavalot Nezek should be included under Chavalot. So the Gemara answers, Oh, since it wanted to teach half payments of damages, so it also taught full damage payments. Taninami Nezek Shalem. Asks the Gemara, Chatzin Nezek Nami Hanu Chavalot, but Chatzin Nezek is also included under Chavalot. So the Gemara answers, Tanamamona As we explained, there's a distinction between compensation or compensatory payments, monetary payments, and penalties. So it taught Chavalot, which is monetary payments, and then it taught Chatzinezek, which according to one Tana, a one Amora, is considered a penalty, because really, you shouldn't have to watch your animal, if it's a Tam, if it's a tame animal, the fact that it damages the Torah requires half, but it's really a penalty. It only works if you hold Chatzinezek is a penalty. But if you hold that half Chatzinezek is monetary payment, so you don't need to repeat this. The Gemara answers, I did a kabayi limit na tashlume kefel, since it needed to teach the double payment, tashlume arba avachamisha, as well as the four and five times. Dimamon, turning to Gimamon bed, dimamon she'eno mishtalem baroshu. Those are types of payments that are more than the damage that's caused. Because a thief pays double if he steals and he's caught, and someone who steals a uh, sheep or an ox pays four or five times. So it's four or five times the principal, or double the principal. So it wanted to teach these cases that. You don't pay the principal, but you pay more. Once you wanted to teach those cases, So it also taught which is a scenario you don't pay the principal, you pay less than the principal. And once it taught which is less than the principal, it also taught because those cases always go together. Moving on to the sixth section now, the Gemara tells us, How do we know that this court of three of monetary cases is a court of three. We showed in the Mishnah how we know 71, how we know 23, but the Gemarana says, where do we find the source for that a court of, for monetary cases is three? Says the Gemara, the Tanur Abananas, the Brayta teaches, again in the Parashav Shomrim, it says, the Balabayit, the owner of the item, will bring the Shomer to the Elohim, to the judges. That's one time. And this is the next Pasuk, Pasuchet. It says, until the judges, they, they shall both come, the matter of both of them. That's Tarei Kanshnaim, that's two. Asher Yarshiyun Elohim, and then the third time it says that the judges shall incriminate Harei Kanshloshna. Div Reb Yoshia, Reb Yoshia says, from here you see three judges are necessary for monetary cases. Reb Yonatan Omer, Rishon, Tchila, Nehemar, Vendarshin, Tchila. You can't expound the first one because that's the introductory Elohim, which is necessary to teach us that you need prof- professional judges that are smuchin. Ela Ada, Elohim, Yavod, Varshneim. So therefore, the second one, it says, that refers to one judge. I show Yashun Elohim the second time, that refers to two judges. You can't have an even court. 
So Mosifin Alein Odechad, you have to add one more. Reikan Shloshah, so you have a total of three. So they both hold you need three. It's just a matter of how you conclude that. Says the Gemara, Neima. Let us suggest that it seems to be a machloket if you can expound the initial appearance of the word, and this is a general shas machloket, as would be applied here as well. According to Rabbi Yoshia, even though it's used for something else, teaching us that it's professional judges, you can also expound that first time in Ikrav al-Abayit el-Elohim for the number three. Yonatan says you can't. So the Gemara says, Lo, the Kuliyama Indar Shinchilot, everybody agrees, you can't expound the first place that it appears. Amr al Yoshi will say, There's a reason that I hold over here, you could still expound it, even though it's necessary to teach us something else. Why? Because Imken, if it was only to teach us professional judges, Neymakrav and Ikrav Balabayat ala Shofit. It could have used the word Shofit. Shofit means professional judges. Ma, sorry, Ma'yal Elohim. Why does it say Elohim? So obviously it's there for something else, which is to teach us the number of three professional judges. Elohim is a language of greatness, of Gdula, that you need uh, the Gdula. That's also true, but also it's there to teach us this idea of three. Rabbi Yonatan, Lishnat Al-Manak, Rabbi Yonatan says, no, that's just the appropriate language to use. Elohim is the appropriate terminology, as is evidenced, as we're about to see. People call judges a certain way. So in the context of the verses, talking about a professional, smuchin, is the word Elohim. And therefore, that's what it's to teach, is not for the number. People say, Somebody that has a court case should go to the judges. So there's nothing else to be deduced in terms of the number, and therefore you have to add on one more based on the fact that you can't have an even court. Asks the Gemara, uh, would emerge that Rabbi Yoshia does not hold seemingly you have to have an odd number court. It seems that the only way he knows that it could, it's an odd number here of three is because it says the word three times. But he does not use the Sfarah of Rabbi Yonatan, and therefore the Gemara asks, Rabbi Yoshia, does Rabbi Yoshia not hold it has to be an imbalance, an odd number? But the Brayta says, Why does it repeat this word and then again at the end of the verse that it has to be you follow the majority, which means there has to be an odd number. The Torah is teaching us you have to have an odd number. So says the Gemara, that seems to be a very logical drasha. Why would Rabbi Yoshia disagree? So the Gemara answers, No, he does disagree. He holds like Rabbi Shivim. In our Mishnah, Rabbi Yudah said the great Sanhedrin could be 70, which isn't even numbered. The Tanah, like the Mishnah says, Sanhedrin, the Tanakama of our Mishnah said it has to be 71. Rabbi Yudah, Omer Shivim, Rabbi Yudah said it has to be 70. So the Gemara says, just like Rabbi Yudah says 70, Rabbi Yoshi applies that also for monetary cases. It could be more than three. It could be four. Amar challenges the Gemara. Amar the Shamat later Rabbi Yudah the Sanhedrin Dola. Rabbi Yudah only hold, held that by the Sanhedrin Dola. Tichtivi kray because there's a pasuk that says Esfali Esfali Shivim Skenim. It says gather seventy. So there's a specific pasuk that says it could be seventy and even number. But Peshaar Beidina Mi Shamat Le. Does Rabbi Yudah hold by other courts, including monetary courts, they could be an even number? The Chitem Aloshna. Maybe you'll say he does. He holds that even courts, that uh, monetary courts, could be an even number as well. Vatana. And the problem is that the Mishnah is going to tell us, or our Mishnah told us in Bet Aleph, Rabbi Shimon said that when it comes to leaning on the animal that the, the Sanhedrin needs to bring, because they paskin wrong and the Jews followed, most of the Jews followed their in, in, in sin. So Rabbi Shimon said you need three of the Sanhedrin to partake in that process. Rabbi Yudah said you need five. My time is Rabbi Yudah, and the Gemara is going to say later on in Gimel Mutbet, what is the reasoning of Rabbi Yudah? You need five for leaning on that animal because the Pasuk says as follows, Vesamchu is Shnaim, Samchu is they shall lean is plural, so that means two. Ziknei and Ziknei, the elders, 
plural, shnayim, that means two as well. Ve'en beitin shakul, and beitin is not going to be an even number. So mosifin alein orechad, you have to add another one. Now this is talking about a smaller court. This isn't talking about the court of 71. So you see what? That although Rabbi Yudah, reikan chamisha. So what do you see? Although Rabbi Yudah holds regarding the court of 70, it could be an even number. By the lower courts, he doesn't hold that. It can't be an even number. And thus the smaller courts need to be able to be tipped. So if Rabbi Yosh, also Rabbi Yudah, he doesn't have a raya because when it comes to a three-person court, it shouldn't be allowed to be an even number. So the Gemara answers, indeed, that's what he holds. Rabbi Yosh actually extends the rule beyond what Rabbi Yudah does. Rabbi Yudah only says in the great Sanhedrin, it doesn't have to be an odd number, it could be 70. But regarding other courts, Rabbi Yudah says it has to be an odd number, like the Pasuk implies. Rabbi Yoshia says, even regarding other courts, like a three-person court, it could be four, that would not be an issue. Asks the Gemara, the obvious question, in but what does he do with the verse that we brought above that teaches us it has to be an odd number? So the Gemara answers, he says that's talking about capital cases, 23-person courts. Those have to be an odd number. But by a three-person Beitin, it, uh, the, the small courts for monetary cases that could be actually four or six, it could be an even number. Asks the Gemara, Elahad Tanan, but the Mishnah later on Chavtetim with Aleph, it's going to say, Shnayim Omrim Zakai. In a monetary case, if two people say innocent, Ve'echad Omer Chayav, and one person says guilty, Zakai. The person is innocent. Shnayim Omrim Chayav, one person says guilty, Ve'echad Omer Zakai, one says innocent, Chayav is guilty. Now, if Rabbi Yoshia holds that you don't have to have an odd number when it comes to three-person courts, so logically then if you have three people adjudicating, the Gemara assumes, it would need to be that all three would paskin in the direction for you to follow. And yet the Mishnah says clearly two will override the one. So name a Deloka Rabbi Yoshia. Perhaps that Mishnah would come out not like the position of Rabbi Yoshia. The Gemara answers, Afilutem Rabbi Yoshia could be like Rabbi Yoshia. Because even though he holds that three, the monetary courts could be an even number, but if it's an odd number, he would derive that a majority would win based on a kalvachomer from capital cases. By capital courts, the chamiri, which are much more strict, the person could be chayav mita. Yet the Torah says, you have to follow the majority. So certainly when it comes to monetary cases, you'll also follow the majority, and you wouldn't need them all to pass in one direction in order to follow that. Moving on to the last section, I believe the seventh section of the day, the Gemara now shows us actually there's a machloket about this issue if three is sufficient when it comes to monetary cases. Tanu says the Braita. When it comes to monetary cases, you only need three. Tanakam's opinion. Rebbe Omer, Rebbe says, you need five. In order that you conclude the court case with three. It means three people will be paskining in one direction. That's what's necessary. So the Gemara says, what do you mean? If you need a majority, well, when you have three, two will also conclude the court case. So what's the difference? So the Gemara says, this is what Rabbi means to say. No, you need to have a Gemara Din. There has to be a conclusive Sock in one direction with three people following that. So therefore you need five so that the majority could be three. Alma, the Gemara says, it would appear then, Kasavar, that Rebbe is of the opinion, that when the Torah writes Elohim three times, or two times and then the last is added in because it can't be even. It's talking about in conclusion. Meaning when the Torah writes Elohim three times, it's to be interpreted. You need three judges at the end in order, meaning going in that direction, to pass in that way. And that's why you need five, actually, to start off. 
But the Gemara says, He couldn't understand this. He like castigated this, or he was surprised by this. Based on that logic, the great Sanhedrin should need 141, because you should need 71 as the majority, the way you're learning it. The Pasuk says 71, as we're understanding. So you should really need 141. So that the conclusive psak should be with 71 in that direction. And then furthermore, the smaller capital courts, require 45. So that the conclusive direction would be 23 people asking in that direction. Ella, obviously, the Gemara says that's not true, because as Fali, uh, it says in the Torah, gather 70 people. Meaning when you gather them, there has to be 70. But you don't need 70 paskining in that other direction. And similarly, it says in terms of the drasha we brought in the Mishnah, which was 23, it means when you start adjudicating the case, there has to be 23. So the Gemara says also you can't explain Rebbe that way because when we brought the Psukim earlier that show us by monetary cases you need three, so obviously what is it talking? It means when they begin, when they approach, in order to judge, you need three, but not that you need three in the end in order to paskin in that direction. So Ella the Gemara says it must be Rebbe is to be explained differently. The reasoning of Rebbe is as follows. The next, you don't darshan the first pasuk, says Rashi, because as we brought up before, we actually go like Rabbi Yonatan, and even Rabbi Yoshi agrees, he just has a chiddush why we could expound this, but we don't expound the first one. So we have the second and the third. Now regarding those, does the word Elohim mean plural, two judges, or does it mean singular, one judge? Now, what would sway the decision? Because the Pasuk says, actually it's read, Asher Yarshi'un Elohim. This is the third time it appears. That the judges shall incriminate. Now Yarshi'un is plural. Tre. So Elohim there, Mistama, is also plural because the noun is connected to the verb. The verb is plural. The noun is also to be interpreted as plural. Continues Rebbe. Ne'amar Elohim lamata, And therefore, since it says Elohim in the second Pasuk, the third time it says it below. Ne'amar Elohim lamala, And it says the word Elohim in that same verse above. Just as at the end of the verse, Pasukhet, we're saying it's plural, because Yashian is plural. So the earlier time in the verse, it's also plural. But that would mean four. You can't have an even court. We'd have to add on one more judge. That would be a total of five. Turning to Dalim with Aleph, for Rabbanan, but the Rabbanan say back, you can't bring a proof from Yashiun, because actually it's written in the Torah without a vav between the Resh and the Nun. The, excuse me, the Yarshi'un. Uh, sorry, between the Ayin and the Nun. So therefore, it's read Yarshi'an. It could be read Yarshi'an. That's traditionally what we have in the Torah. That's the writing. So therefore, Rabbanan Yarshi'an Ktiv, he shall incriminate, which is singular. And therefore, the word Elohim is singular. The one before is also singular. You can't have an even court, so it would be a total of three because you'd have to add one more. So just to conclude, this will tie us, God willing, into tomorrow's Amur and Dalid, which is a general machloket if we say, Yesh em or Yesh em mikra. As the Rabbanan say, we follow the written, the way it's written. As we see in the Torah, it's written Yashian, so therefore it's singular. And Revi holds Yesh em mikra, which means we follow the way it's traditionally been read, which is Yashi'un. That's the way we'll expound it, and therefore it's actually plural. Thus you have four plus one is five. As we've concluded now, that's how we're clarifying the two positions of the Rabbanan and, and Revi, three or five when it comes to monetary courts. We'll stop here. Top of Da'ad Amud Aleph. Sa'at Hashem will pick up tomorrow with Da'ad Amud Aleph. 
Shabbat Tov again. And I forgot to mention before, but our learning tonight was Refuah Shleima for Yaakov Ben Dina. You should hear Tovot, Refuah Shleima, and all the best. A wonderful week, everybody.